Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. <sighs> I'm on the bottom. Alright, I have heartburn. Um <laughs> We've recorded. What have we done? We've done we've, a live. We've done a live. A weird Wednesday. And now we're doing this. Can you tell that we're really trying to get everything done before Thanksgiving? Yes. Well, we have to. We're going to not be together. So sad. So sad. I have to. got to go all the way back to Rushford County. Mm. In which I'm just going to study all week because my first final exam is in a week. <sighs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. Well, I'll be here in the in the area. Just can you can you please give us your address? Yeah, my address <laughs> is one two three four. Suck my ass lane. I knew I was about to say suck my ass. <laughs> <laughs> She'll have a giant turkey for you for Thanksgiving. Yeah, come come by. It'll be the driest. It it'll be even drier than your grandma's turkey. I put it in a dehydrator. I'll make it into jerky. That, that would actually be pretty oh, good. Nice. Yeah, with a little bit of cracked pepper on it. That sounds oh, delicious. Yeah, that sounds good. Make some of that. We'll mail it out to the fans. <laughs> That's what I'm going to buy on Black Friday is my dehydrated. Dehydrate. That'll be our next giveaway. Next giveaway, not koozies. Dehydrated turkey. Dehydrated turkeys. <laughs> All right. Well, this week's theme is surprise me. And this podcast. Oh, is, this is going to sound weird if you're wondering. It's and okay. And Sydney's brain, scrambled eggs. Yummy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Taylor. And I'm Sydney. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. Thanks for hopping on this live show. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. But this theme is Surprise Me, which Sydney just said, but... Surprise me! Surprise! So, surprise! I, I prepared uh, a bit to talk about today. Did you? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Not a light topic. Damn. Mine is actually... Well, mine's a little light. It was, it's fun-ish. This is just something I, this is a case that I find interesting, and maybe you think it's interesting, maybe you don't, and that's all right. Sometimes it's okay to not, ag- <laughs> to not agree. To not agree. You know what? You and we need to understand that as a society. You cannot agree with Sydney on what case she does, but it's not going to stop her. You can't stop her from your car. <laughs> She's going to tell it anyways. <laughs> just like... Nikki Blonsky and Hairspray. You can't stop the beat. <laughs> no. I love Hairspray. That, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to say this. Zach Efron, my favorite version of him is when he plays Link in Hairspray. Mm, I would have to agree with that. That's, that, a, that's one of his better performances. That is my favorite Zach Efron. He plays kind of douchebaggy roles these days. Yeah. So, which, I mean, he cute, don't get me wrong, but. In that one, he's so sweet. I mean, he is, you know, it's a cliche, falling in love with who you don't think you're going to fall in love with. Mm-hmm. God, he's hot as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. I like James Marston in that movie. Which one is he? He plays Corny Collins oh, of yes, the Corny yes. Collins show. Honestly, all the men in that movie are just... I think it's the cream. outfits I and the hair. I think so, too. Because Penny's uh, boyfriend, shoot... I can't remember I his name. Lord, about. I can't remember his name. Lord, I can't remember. He's on the... He dances, too. Oh, my God. He's so cute. They're all so cute. Lord okay. have mercy. The girls, they really do them dirty with those outfits. <laughs> That's okay. With those, like, big bouffant hairdos. <laughs> yes. This is in all the pastels. Yes. Okay. But, all right. So, this week, uh, I chose to discuss the Columbine shooting. 
Um, so not a lighter topic. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to be completely honest. You had your subject in the Google Doc, mm-hmm. and I looked, but you typed it in as the Colombian <laughs> shooting. And I was like, I, I have so- never heard of this I- before, so this is actually still very much a surprise. <laughs> yeah, so I put it in into the Google Doc, and I'm pretty sure what happened was it auto-corrected Probably. to Colombian. Um, because I just looked at it yeah. not a minute ago and I was like, Colombian. Cause I saw that, cause I saw that the other day cause I was, you know, just, you know, in, in there and I was like, Hmm, I have no idea what that is. I was like, even though it's not a surprise, it is a surprise, but now it's a double surprise. It's a double surprise. <laughs> no, it's okay. That was the last it's laughter. I'll probably get out for well, a few minutes at least. In a few minutes, maybe. Who's 30, say? 40, 50. <laughs> This whole the rest of your life. <laughs> All right, so my sources are Wikipedia, mm-hmm. History.com, CNN.com, a documentary entitled We Are Columbine, uh, and a TED Talk featuring Sue Klebold, and uh, an episode of True Crime Garage. Uh, oh, yes, I've loved listening to that one. That's a good one. Those men, they do some great research. They didn't do as much as me. I also read the Columbine book, but I forgot to list it. I can't remember the whole last book. Yeah, but this was a while ago. Okay, <laughs> this was not in the past week. Oh. Not the record show it was not this past week, um, but I had gotten it from the library. Uh, I don't know, back in like February, I read it. Okay. Pretty good book. The guy who wrote it took a very long time to research it, so it's pretty mm. accurate. I. If they have an audio book version, I'll definitely listen to it. Yeah, check on Audible. Yeah. Not sponsored. <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> um, okay. A bit of background. So, Columbine High School is located in Littleton, Colorado. It was first built in 1973, but underwent massive renovations in 1995. And these renovations came with the addition of a new cafeteria and a new library. Uh, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I want you to visualize how mm. large this school is. Um, it's probably way bigger than your high school. Your high school was my high teeny. School, my high school was exactly one hallway with like a few trailers out beside it so yeah (laughs) yeah my high school i feel like is fairly similar in size to columbine um ours was pretty big they had like uh i think they have two thousand or some students and that's about Um, how big my high school was like in total oh mom was not even close (laughs) not close how many people were in your graduating class Uh, about 80 I thought you were going to say about eight, and I was like, good eight, No, 80, so not, not like, terribly small, but, like, compared to the schools in Raleigh, there'll be, like, 600 kids graduated with me, and I'm like, what the fuck? Mm. I also went to, you know, a charter school, so it was smaller than the average high school. I get that. So, I just want to preface this, that there's a lot of misconceptions surrounding this event. Um, and so the way I'm going to tell the story is I'm going to tell it to you just, I'm just going to give you the facts All right. and then, and then we'll, if there's time in the end, we'll talk a little bit about the misconceptions. I don't want this to just be me yakking over here. As a lawyer, I appreciate the facts. Just, I'm not a lawyer yet, but <laughs> I'm working on it. As a, someone who hasn't even finished the One first semester. semester. Um, so it's April 20th, 1999. The weather is beautiful. Uh, the seniors had just celebrated their prom that weekend before. Mm-hmm. So this was a Tuesday and it was growing pretty closer 
like to the end of the year so mm-hmm. you know ain't, ain't nobody doing anything you probably have some no you know you might i don't know if it's quite late enough in the semester for you just be watching movies but you know there might be some test but mm-hmm. no one's got their mind on school no um so there was talk that the date of this attack was initially planned for the 19th which would have been that monday uh-huh. um so this took place on the 20th which is hitler's birthday oh god um and the 19th is the anniversary of the oklahoma city bombing were those dates important i think story um well people talk about it a lot when they talk about columbine because the week that like so i guess the whole week of like april like i don't know like 18th to 25 you know i mean there's Mm -hmm. a lot of terrible things that happen like if you just look up like worst week week (laughs) in history the worst week in history it's that week and it has like a list of all these horrific events so i think it probably was fairly intentional Uh that they chose that week not maybe not that specific day Mm. um but that week interesting i did not know that about that week so um, this was the day that Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris had planned for over a year. The two had planted a bomb in a nearby park with the idea that it would go off just before their planned attack at the school and would act as a distraction to police and rescue so they could act on their plan. And so they had sort of set it so it would detonate itself. Um, and so they were thinking this is going to explode. It's going to cause this big commotion in this park across town. And everyone's going to be too busy with that. So by the time that they get the call about what's going on in the school, they'll have mm-hmm. to drive all the way on the other side of town. So Dylan's prom date, Robin Anderson, had purchased the two guns, which he believed, like, sorry, when I say the two, I mean the two people. Oh, them each okay. Each, like, guns, um, which she believed was for target practice. Um, and the two had with them duffel bags full of guns ammo uh pipe bombs that they had created themselves and ingredients to make molotov cocktails so the time is 11 10 a.m seniors dylan and eric arrive in the school parking lot uh, when walking into the school though eric runs into a classmate named brooks brown uh, and brooks is pretty surprised to see eric because eric hadn't been in class earlier that day mm. so he was like you know what the f- what the fuck, dude? You know, what, what where you, you been? Where you been? You missed a test. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, and when he asked about the test, Eric replied, "It doesn't matter anymore." Oh. Brooks, I like you now. Get out of here. Go home. So Brooks was like, "Well, he was fully prepared to skip class at the drop of a hat, but he was also like, that's kind of weird.' You know, uh-huh. I think I will get out of here." Yeah. So Brooks takes off. Then Eric and Dylan head towards the cafeteria, expecting to see students running outwards towards the parking lot any minute. The two had built homemade bombs made out of propane tanks that were meant to go off in the cafeteria. So the two's plan was to stand outside the doors of the cafeteria and shoot those attempting to flee. So these two bombs, and they were supposed to go off around 11... 15 Mm -hmm. and so it would you know it would kill all these people and then anybody who was you know had managed to escape that they were going to run out the door and they were just going to be able to like kind of fire into these crowds that's so like intricate like what the fuck all these bombs all 
Yes. Well, because they took... I mean, a year yeah, to they plan. Took a year, maybe over a year to plan that's, this. That's a long time. Especially for some high school students. Like, what? Mm-hmm. So, Dylan threw a pipe bomb into the parking lot, which partially exploded and began to smoke. And at 11.19 a.m., Eric and Dylan approached Rachel Scott and Richard Costaldo, who were having lunch in the grass outside. Dylan fired towards the two, and Rachel was hit four times, including a blow to her temple, which killed her. And Richard was shot six times. He ended actually ended up surviving, oh. um, but he does now still suffer from paralysis. Um. So... Eric shot down the west staircase towards a group of students and ended up killing uh, someone like that. Evidently, I deleted the first name. Okay. But someone with the last name, Robaro. Okay. Um, And injuring Sean Graves and Lance Kirkland, Dylan and Eric began shooting at a group of five students sitting on the opposite hill, like this hill opposite of the stairs. Um, Michael Johnson was hit in the face, leg, and arm, but managed to escape. Hmm. Mark Taylor was shot in the chest, arms, and legs and fell to the ground, pretending to be dead. And the other two were able to escape uninjured. So then Dylan walks up to Lance Kirkland, who had been injured, and shot him. Hmm. Um, Lance luckily survives this. Even though he was shot in the face. Oh, my God. So I was like... Very shocked that he was able to survive. Uh, And then Sean Graves, who had been paralyzed from his injuries, ended up actually having to rub blood on his face and pretend to be dead in order to survive. And Sean would later recall Dylan stepping over him as he walked into the cafeteria and saying, Sorry, dude. The fuck? So at this point, students in the cafeteria had heard shots coming from outside, but they kind of thought this was a senior prank because, you know, it's growing to the end of the year yeah and if you don't know you might just think like almost like firecrackers yeah, or something or like pop guns or something mm-hmm. i don't know so dave sanders a teacher at the school who witnessed the shooting uh taking he saw it taking place outside ran to the cafeteria to alert students of what was going on the school's resource officer neil gardner was in the school parking lot when he heard shots mm. this led him and eric into getting into a shootout and uh, Neil then called for backup to the school. Eric then stood at the top of the stairs and shot down at students below, hitting and paralyzing uh, Anne-Marie Hotchhalter, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Um, and An art teacher named Patty Nelson heard the commotion. She just sort of thought, you know, again, students are they're getting a little rowdy. God. Maybe... They maybe they're like filming some sort of school project or something. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna hand, but you know I've got a class I need to take care of, so oh you need God. to keep it down. Um, so she thought that these were just people goofing off. So she goes, she like walks outside to tell him to calm down, and that's when Dylan and Eric start shooting out the doors of Ooh. the school because it's like all glass doors and mm. glass like floor to ceiling windows in the cafeteria. So she runs back into the library. Dials 911 and tells all the students to get down and be quiet. Now, you can actually hear her 911 tape. It is, like, still out there. Mm. Um, And you can hear her, like, every now and then. She's like, get down, get down. Oh, God. So then uh, Dylan and Eric enter the building. And as they're entering the building, they're throwing pipe bombs. And they're shooting people as they go. 
Um, Dylan shot Stephanie Munson in the ankle, but she was luckily able to escape. And at this point, a few deputies had arrived in the parking lot and were attempting to rescue injured students. Eric then began to shoot into the parking lot at the deputies who returned fire before Eric walked back into the school. So at this point, he's just they're just kind of like shooting at stuff. It just seems like they're just running around and shooting anything they can. Yes, especially when they go and they just are like shooting at like windows and doors. Yeah. And like shooting out into the parking lot, even though he's not like necessarily aiming at, I feel like, the officer. He's just uh-huh. really like shooting. And for me, I think it's because they had this idea that they were going to, like, all these people were going to die in these explosions in the cafeteria. Um, yeah. Uh, and then they were just going to be able to just kind of, like, pick people off then. But now their plan has kind of gone awry. Oh, God. And so now they're just sort of, like, trying walking around and just shooting people if they feel like it. The heck? Yeah. Uh, a teacher named Dave Sanders, who, had, who was the one that saw the commotion and mm-hmm. warned everybody in the cafeteria. Him and a student um, encountered Dylan and Eric in the hall because Mr. Sanders was trying to go around and alert students of what was going on, mm-hmm. like get in your classrooms, lock the doors. And when he runs into Derek and, uh, sorry, Dylan and Eric in the hallway, he is shot as he's trying to run away from them. Ooh. So Dave was hit in the back of the neck with a, uh, and the bullet actually, like, exited through his ah. mouth. Um, but he was able to survive this for a time. Um, oh. The student who he was with ran to a nearby science class and warned everybody what was going on. And, you know, he's like, Mr. Sanders has been hit. He's He, he needs help. Ooh. And so they actually got a, another student from a class who was, like, CPR certified mm-hmm. to go and tend to him with the hopes that, you know, maybe they could stabilize him before, uh-huh. in time for him to get some help. But unfortunately, because it takes, in this case, it takes so long for, like, any sort of rescue or, like, SWAT team to enter, he doesn't end up making it. This story is so weird to me because you said this high school is so big. Because I'm like, if anything like this happened in my high school, like, we would all know in an instant. Mm -hmm. But, like, I guess if it's so big, like, all this shit's happening and, like, people on the other side of the building have no idea. Yes, I, I guess at this point they probably didn't have protocols that they have in place now. Yeah, it's weird to wrap my head around it because I think, like, we grew up in a time when, like, we always had, like, active shooter, like, lockdowns. True. We had them, like, what, once a semester? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think about, like, how far away the cafeteria was in my high school compared to the classrooms. So I could definitely see, like, if I was in, like, English class and I was going to the bathroom, I wouldn't know what was going on. That's true. So, Dylan and Eric continued to toss pipe bombs down the hall as they made their way to the library. The two then entered the library. There they shot and killed Kyle Velasquez, I believe is how you pronounce it. The two then reloaded their guns and ordered students to stand up. But, of course, no one did. Fuck no. I'd have been like, um, um, nope. At that point, I would be like, I really just, I don't know what the fuck to do. Just, uh, um, just kill me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I probably would just have been so scared. I would have either just like passed w- out, passed out, ran immediately, or would not have been able to move. <laughs> yeah, that would have been me. I definitely probably wouldn't have been able to move. So by this time, police and media had arrived outside of the school. Mm-hmm. But like, 
they they weren't really like police hadn't entered the school they were just sort of setting up a perimeter around Mm -hmm. but the news stations they had like every news station in the county out there they were broadcasting what was going on so and also they were interviewing like students who had ran out so like like real time yes so like imagine like people watched this unfold on the news if I was a student had just ran out, I would have been like, peace the fuck out. I will not be remaining in this parking lot. Yes. And the documentary that I listened to, the one girl, she said she and she was in the cafeteria and her and her friends literally ran to a random man's house. Yeah. Because there was a neighborhood nearby and they banged on his door and was like, please let us in. There's a gunman at the school. And yeah. so this man held like 20 kids in oh, his God. school for like however long. The heck. So- uh, Dylan shot at a table, injuring Patrick Ireland, Daniel Steepleton, and Mackay Hall. Because at this point, they pretty much are just shooting. Yeah. Like, they, so in some regards, they are shooting directly at people. But in other regards, I think they're just, like, shooting at random mm-hmm. things. And that's how they're getting a lot of injuries. Mm. So, Eric shot and killed 14-year-old Stephen Corno and 17-year-old Casey Ruggersegger, um, who were both hiding underneath the table. Eric then looked underneath another table, finding Casey Burnell and Emily Wynette hiding together. Uh, and when he went under the table, he says, Peekaboo! Like, he literally is... looks underneath the, the table and says, Peekaboo! Um, before shooting Casey. What the fuck? Because at this point... In the library, because there's about 50 students hiding in the library. It's a huge library. You get a lot of eyewitnesses telling you, like, what they heard and what they saw. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of accounts of the boys just kind of, like, taunting and, like, saying shit to people. Um, And it's... I don't know if it's necessarily, like, that was their motive. was like, oh, we're going to shoot all the jocks. Yeah. But I think when their initial plan didn't go as planned, they were like, well, plan B, what are we going to do? And so that's when they started, like, you know, we're going to shoot all the jocks. When really I think their whole intention was they were just going to shoot everyone. Well, also, why is the police not coming yet if they're outside just waiting so at that time things are very it's interesting because i think about like how different it would be if this was to happen today yeah because back then they like swat team didn't typically go in to Hmm. like active kate like scenes like this yeah um so they didn't actually enter until like this was all said and done which i think if this was to happen today then it would have been like you know swat team arrives they would and then they would have entered several different areas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, um, I mean, you don't just want to wait and be like, we're just going to wait it out until it dies down. I'm like, bitches are getting shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the SWAT team could get shot, but I always assume that you go in there with all your gear knowing that this may end badly. Um, so then Dylan notices Patrick attempting to help Makai, who was injured, because um, they were under that table that they shot mm-hmm. initially at. So Dylan then shot Patrick in the head, but Patrick would fortunately survive. Mm. So Dylan and Eric then started taunting 18-year-old Isaiah Scholes, calling him the N-word and Mm. making several, like, racial statements regarding him um, before they both shot under the table and killed Isaiah and 16-year-old Matthew Ketcher. So then... 
Dylan shot at a nearby table injuring 17-year-old Mark Kitchen. Um, he then shot at an injured 18-year-old Lisa Krutz and Valine Schneer and actually ended up killing Lauren Townsend. God. So then Eric shot at an injured 16-year-old Nicole Nowlin um, and then repeatedly shot John Tomlin and killed him. He then killed Kelly Fleming, uh, and Eric then aimed his gun at a student underneath a table nearby, but missed him because the kid, like, moved away from the gun. Um, So then this really pisses off Eric. He's like, who the fuck do you think you are? So he demands the student to identify himself. And that's when the guy turns around and it's like, it's me, it's John. It's a guy named John Savage. He's like, John, you know. Mm-hmm. And this was someone that Dylan and Eric knew. Um. So John's like, what are y'all doing? You know, like, what are y'all doing, guys? Yeah. And so then Dylan replies to him, eh, killing people. Oh, my God. So then John asks, well, are you going to kill me? To which Dylan replies, no. And he told John to get out of there. So John takes off, mm-hmm. as I probably yeah. would have as well. So, Eric then shot and killed 17-year-old Daniel Mauser, and Dylan then found Evan Todd hiding under, um, like, underneath the table, and Dylan taunted Evan about being a jock, saying that he hated jocks, and this is where that whole idea that, you know, Uh maybe jocks were bullying Dylan and Eric, and that's why they were trying Uh to, like, target them, um, because at Columbine, sports were a really big thing. Yeah. Um, which I think about, like, sports weren't good at, like, really big at my high school because we sucked at them. Yeah. But, like, a nearby high school, there was it was really big. Uh-huh. So I could, like, all, everybody was a varsity player. And, like, you went to a specific high school in my county to mm-hmm. do it. So I think that's kind of how Columbine was. But I don't know uh... if that necessarily means that there was a hierarchy for that. Um, but at Columbine, they all had white hats. Like, if you were any sort of varsity player, mm. you got a white hat. Interesting. <clears throat> So Evan's wearing a white hat, and Dylan and Eric, you know, are like, are you a jock? And the guy's like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, that's good, because we hate jocks. Um, and, you know, Evan's like, you know, I don't really want any trouble from y'all. You know, you know I've never wanted any trouble from y'all. You know, you won't mm-hmm. get any trouble from me. Um, and at this point, I think that Dylan and Eric are just sort of like, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so Dylan turns to Eric and is like, well, I'm not going to kill him, but like, you know, Eric, if you want to, you know, you can. So at this point, there are no more victims. You know, Thank they don't God. end up doing anything to Evan. Um, and the two actually leave the library and head towards the commons, which is like, a ca- is what they reference the cafeteria area as. Uh-huh. The two enter the cafeteria where Dylan attempts to ignite one of the bombs they had planted mm. um, in the cafeteria earlier. And the, the obviously the bomb didn't go off. So he just starts like shooting at it, thinking that it's going to go off. Um, and then he ends up throwing a Molotov cocktail at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't go off, but it does cause a fire. And so that causes the sprinklers in the cafeteria to go off. And there are... Because Columbine had recently been renovated, there's camera footage of them walking through, like, the cafeteria. So, you can kind of see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the two end up walking back to the library, which was now empty because as soon as they left, 
everyone evacuated. Yeah. Uh, the only people left in there were Patty Nelson, who was the teacher mm. who initially had ran in. She had, like, hidden in a storage closet. And Lisa Krutz, who had been injured and evidently, like, I think they tried to get everybody who was injured out, but mm-hmm. I think her injuries were a little too bad. They couldn't, they couldn't think they could move her. So uh-huh. she was still in there. Um, then the two ended up at 1208. They each shot themselves, killing themselves. Yeah. I, I was going to ask if they, I thought that happened, but then I couldn't remember how it ended. Yeah. And then, but then, so that happens at 1208. SWAT team doesn't enter the school till 109. The, what? Did the ambulance or somebody go in? So SWAT team came in first. Okay, so, like, if people were in there, like, bleeding out, they were just, like, in there dying? Yes, so this whole ordeal, so the whole attack only took an hour, but, like, before SWAT team had entered, like, it started at 11, and this, they didn't enter till 1, so, Mm. you know, that's why I think a lot of people who maybe could have survived didn't. Oh, God. Um, so SWAT team enters the building and guides the students out, uh, but, you know, you got to think, like, they have to go through each different room. And in the documentary that I watched, that We Are Columbine, mm-hmm. they have people who were actually in classrooms, like, describing how they would, they walked out of their classroom and there was just, like, lines of SWAT team members mm-hmm. lining the halls. And they had to run out with their hands behind their head. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the actual event of what happened. Mm-hmm. So... There might be a few questions. So, let me just kind of go off of what happened after that. Mm-hmm. So, the students had to still finish out school. Yeah. So, luckily, a class, like a, another school down the street named Chadfield, they housed Columbine students. So, the Chadfield students went for half a day so that the Columbine students could finish out their year. Mm-hmm. So, because the media had been broadcasting this, like, Mm -hmm. from the second they heard, like, basically, the second that the attack came across on the, what, the police blotter? Yeah. The news. Scanner? Yeah, scanner. Yeah. The the media was out there. Oh, God. Um, So, you know, they're getting, like, I... You know, people who might be, who maybe have, were there but didn't see anything. Uh-huh. They have them as eyewitnesses uh-huh. getting interviews. So I think that's where they're, you get a lot of misinformation. Yeah. So, uh, whenever you talk about the topic of Columbine, uh, t- bullying typically comes up mm-hmm. because we really, as humans, look for motives. True. What could have triggered someone to do this? So, students standing outside giving interviews while it was happening. They they sort of made state, statements like, oh, it was probably just some loser, you know what I mean, who uh-huh. isn't popular. And so I think the news just really took that and ran with it. Um, however, there really isn't too much evidence to support the claim that Dylan and Eric were being bullied uh-huh. or that the bullying was uh, so severe that it led them to, to do something like this. Yeah. Um, because Columbine had bullying, but it's not like, like, it, it wasn't, like, terrible, but I think it's just sort of like, you know, some people get picked on, some people don't. Yeah, also, I feel like if you, like, go to school there, you're gonna, like, as bad as it sounds, like, 
if the person that gets bullied really bad, everybody's going to know who that is, probably. And mm-hmm. so, if, like, nobody's like, oh, yeah, like, they were known to be, like, picked on really bad, mm-hmm. then, you know, they might just have been, I don't know, a little different. Yeah, and there was an incident where, I believe it was Dylan, where, you know, some people had thrown, like, ketchup packets at him. Mm-hmm. Um, in the lunchroom, and he, he was really embarrassed and humiliated, and he did go home and tell his, like, mom that that was the worst day of his life. Uh-huh. Um, but there's not much evidence to to show that, like, this was a continual thing. Yeah. Because with all things, like, considered, both of them were fairly popular. You're also in high school, so, like, you know, shit, shit happens. Everybody be talking shit to each other, so... You know, unless there's, like, real, like, signs, it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to know. And so, um, and I think because Columbine's so big, not many people know, like... You don't know everybody. You don't know everybody. Like, at my school, like, if there was a kid who, like, got picked on, like, the whole school picked on them. Anyways, but because there was this whole idea that bullying is what caused this. Mm. Uh, a lot of anti-bullying campaigns came out of this. Uh, you know, I think I people were not... really like, we need to put a stop to this, you know. Mm. Our not, kids are suffering, mm. which I think that is great. It's I think not that, bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, there's nothing wrong with the anti-bullying campaign, but that doesn't necessarily address this, Yeah, what happened here. Another misconception regarding this event is that Dylan and Eric were targeting certain people. Mm-hmm. And I sort of touched this on, like, a little bit earlier. Um, because in some accounts you hear, um, you know, like, oh, they said this or they said that. But I didn't include anything unless I had seen it in multiple sources. Like, yes, this is what they mm-hmm. said. Um, but their initial plan was obviously to blow up the cafeteria. Yeah. And the bombs were supposed to go off and then they were supposed to just be able to basically they were going to just fire into a crowd of faceless victims but i think yeah. when their initial plan didn't go as, mm-hmm. as it was supposed to then they sort of had to you know they had to start shooting people one at a time and so then you you have those instances where like they ran into people they did know yeah so she, the first person that dylan sees is brooks yeah from whatever class he's in and so, that I think is, you know, I think they were just sort of, like, coming up with things mm-hmm. to say. Um, so, I don't think it was necessarily that they were trying to target anyone as think- as much as I think they were just trying to target everyone. Yeah. At that point, they were probably just like, well, if we're going to do it like this, we're going to have to act like a badass or whatever they think you would do in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So, they'll probably just, like, say shit just because, I don't know, that's what you see on a, a movie or some mm-hmm. shit. Uh, the idea also was that came out of this was that Dillick, what what the heck? Derek Derek and Dylan. What what did I say? Eric and Dylan. Yeah. Not, I keep wanting to say Derek. (laughs) Um, That Eric and Dylan were targeting certain demographics like Christians. I've heard this before, yeah. I think we really heard it a lot because we are from the South. We're from the Bible Belt. Because they were like, it's the whole... um, they said they were Christians, even though they knew they would get shot. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, that was really spread because that was the whole 
you know, if you say you're a Christian, you're getting shot out on the street. That was that was pretty much what mm-hmm. I was getting. Uh, maybe not in America, but like any other country besides America, if you're a Christian, you're getting shot dead on the mm-hmm. spot. So yeah, that was definitely it's like a... when your kooky aunt like posts things <laughs> on Facebook, like please like if you love Jesus, please please ignore, ignore. if you love Satan and want to go to hell forever. <laughs> you're like, something. oh god, I guess Damn. I gotta like it. <laughs> um, yeah, but. So, Rachel Scott and Cassie Burnell were both Christians mm-hmm. um, and came from, you know, fairly religious families. So, these claims started to come out that Dylan and Eric had asked these girls, you know, are you a Christian? And they were like, yes, mm-hmm. I am. Or, yeah, you know I am. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that that is why they were shot. But with both instances... People who were right next to them as mm-hmm. they got shot have come out multiple times. I was like, this is not what happened. Yeah. They didn't. And specifically, I think with Rachel Scott, seeing as she was one of the first victims uh-huh. in the parking lot, she, he didn't say anything to her. Um, whereas in the library, um, yeah. there may have been more opportunity for, mm-hmm. you know, and he, they obviously were taunting people in the library. But from that, you know, I think, I believe it's the Rachel Scott, like her dad started like touring around the nation mm-hmm. and would tell her story. Um, but the, these, these claims that they were, they, they were killed and because they had admitted that they were Christians have been kind of debunked by eyewitnesses. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I do find interesting about this case is, you know, they talk about bullying. They talk about all, all this stuff. But mm-hmm. one thing that doesn't really come up into topic, or at least didn't back then, was gun control. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, these are two teenage boys and they were easily able to get guns. Yeah, didn't you say, like, a girl, like, yeah, their so, same age got it for so, them? Um, she was a little bit older, but yeah, Dylan's prom date got him for her. Um, so, you know, there wasn't really much talk about gun control, um, and the NRA had, like, their yearly convention in that same town, like, the next week. Oh, God. And I'm gonna go on record and say, you know, I don't really care what your political stance is, but I Mm -hmm. feel like that's gotta be in poor taste. Yeah, that's definitely in poor taste. To have a, a, a convention about guns in the same city where all these children died. Do the guns. Yeah, that's bad. It's a little that's, in poor taste. Yeah, that's probably... That's not, that's not good. I maybe could have rescheduled it. Yeah, at least till, you know, next year. We'll just, we'll just not have it this year. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you probably have heard of the trench coat mafia. Have you heard of that? Uh-huh, yeah. So, there, people really... I feel bad for anyone who was in the trench coat mafia. <laughs> so, Eric's dad, when he sees this all unfolding on the news, he actually calls the police and is like, I think my son might be involved. Oh, God. And they're like, why do you think your son's involved? He's like, because my son's part of this thing called the trench coat mafia. Uh-huh. Which the trench coat mafia, all it was, in case you don't know was basically a bunch of people that like to play video games and wear <laughs> trench coats and they kind of were they kind of were goth but they weren't yeah uh, it's and also you know the 90s so yeah. like everybody's a little yeah a little grungy a little in the grungy. 90s <laughs> um so i think people were like you know it's like people would blame the fact that you know oh they probably listened to marilyn manson 
Yeah. You know, and that's why they did it. I'm like, just because you listen to somebody's music doesn't mean you're going to... But back do. then, I feel like... Yes. If, you know, if you listen to the rock sub- music... The suburban parents really took that and ran with it. going on your way to hell. You've made a deal with the devil. Yes, but from what I understand... Dylan and Eric were not actually members of this trench coat mafia. They might have been friends with people that were, uh-huh. but even if they were part of it, that it was just a bunch of people that wore trench coats some, and were just hanging out. It was literally just some dudes who were like, "Hey, on Fridays we're gonna just wear a bunch of trench coats. It'd be super cool." Yeah, and then they come, and it just so happens that trench coats are a little scary looking. <laughs> Yes, there. But, I mean, it's the 90s. It's the 90s. I know. I'm just picturing trench coats and Doc Martens. And, honestly, they're coming back in the style, so. Mm-hmm. So, after Dylan's death, um, Dylan's mother found an entry in his journal where Dylan talked about the sort of agony, the agony that he was feeling and admitted to um, kind of um, doing a lot of self-harm on himself mm. because he was so depressed yeah so i was gonna ask if there Um, was like some mental illness aspect and dylan had written this years before the shooting so he had been dealing with a lot of mental health issues beforehand um and his mother didn't learn about this until after Mm. this this massacre um and you know people do point a lot of fingers at the parents but I, if you don't, if you have the time, it's like maybe like 10 minutes. Dylan's mom has a TED talk where she talks about it. Uh, um, and she talks about how, you know, she's not trying to justify anything that he did, but she really is trying to promote mental health. Um, and she's a real big mental health advocate. Yeah. Um, because she... She th- she's like she I think she beats herself up a lot and is like you know had I known that my That's son right. was dealing with such deep depression could I have could could he have been saved could all these people yeah. have been saved um so really I think one of the reasons that this is such an interesting case to me is because I think at the end of the day it is more of a mental health mm-hmm. case um I mean obviously they did terrible things i am not justifying anything that they did no um i think that you know their mental health might have gone unchecked but i think they also probably had some other issues true um and from what i understand really their their goal with this was just to kill as many people as they could and they wanted to kind of make a statement and they wanted to be famous famous kind of also when you're in high school you know shit be getting out of hand so even not i mean what they did was awful god awful jesus but i mean when you're in high school sometimes they maybe even were like who cares if we did this i don't care about my own life i don't care about anybody's life it's like taking angsty teenager but like to a terrible mm-hmm. evil level yeah and then after the fact they found two more, they had found two pipe bombs at Eric's house and six at Dylan's house. God, what's the, the so bombs? they had really been planning this for over a year. Now that part really kind of is where I'm like, mm, I know it's mental illness, but at some point I would think like, you're, like I said, you're in high school, you would think that you would lose the urge at some point. You'd be like, eh, well, I thought about it, but that's kind of dumb. But the fact that they did it for a year, that definitely points to it. So it's, mm more serious yeah, issues. Well, I feel like that's with any sort of 
serial killer that we see is, you know, they had a lot of mental health issues, but then at some point, like, there's no going back. No. You know? Like, you can blame it on childhood trauma all you want, but at some point... We all have childhood trauma. You're not special. Yeah. Everyone's reliving it this week during Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, God. It'll be okay. That dry turkey will make it all worth it. But that is the story of the Columbine shooting. Uh, well, thank you for telling that. Um, it's thank you for telling it because I think people need to, you know, realize what happened. Yeah, it's if you have the opportunity, I really recommend you read the book because I think they do a really good job about it. Yeah, painting a picture of like what it's like at the school, who they were, um, and it really kind of addresses those key like misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. This is I think I think I'm very drawn to this story because. Growing up, you know, we were, we were 90s babies. True. And our life has forever been shaped by what these men did. True. Because, like, I, like, I don't think, I tried to talk to my dad about this before, like, because I think he just can't wrap his head around this. I was like, my entire life, we have always had, like, lockdown drills. Yes. Like, even as an elementary schooler, we had, once a semester, had to, like, lock Huddle in the side. Mm-hmm, and like hide in the corner with the lights uh-huh. off and then your principal would come by uh-huh. and jiggle the handle i got in trouble one time i started laughing yeah. i didn't know what was going on i just thought we were all getting close together in the dark and i was like this is kind of funny don't you think <laughs> my teacher didn't think it was funny i was like i never got in trouble in school and that was like the one time i ever got in trouble <laughs> damn it but that's my, that's the story mm, well thank you i think that i think you did a good job there you go. Anyways, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. Okay. Are we ready for my story now? I'm ready. Okay. Mine has uh, got a little different vibe from yours. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> it's true teach crime. Their own. It's true crime. And uh but it's just it's just a little ditty. It's not mm. too long. If you've heard it before, you're you know, it's you you'll know. So I'm doing mine on Michael Malloy. No, he's also known as Mike the Durable or Iron Mike. You ever heard of him? I'm trying to. I'm you trying may to think. have. I feel like when you start talking, I'm gonna be like, probably. Oh, yes. We listened to a podcast um, that has talked about him. I think it was, and that's why we drink. They did it a long time ago, so you may or may not remember it. Uh, but my sources are Wikipedia.com, IrishCentral.com, and Sam O'Nella Academy um, on YouTube. And the video was the tale of Michael Malloy. So. Michael was an Irishman, and he lived in New York City during the 1920s and the 1930s, and he was a former firefighter. But in 1933, he was really down on his luck. He was unemployed, he was an alcoholic, and he was also homeless. But he spent a lot of his time at Marino's Speakeasy on 3rd Avenue in New York City. So, I mean, you know what? If you ain't got nothing else to do, go to the damn bar and just get drunk, I guess. Forget Uh, your troubles. Speakeasy, I feel like... It's got to be kind of cool looking in there. Yeah. I don't know. They call it a speakeasy, but... It's probably just a I bar behind like a, a laundromat. Dive, yeah, I think it's like a dive bar. Um, apparently, Marino, though, had grown very tired of Malloy because he would come into the bar every day and drink, but would never pay his tab. Uh, he basically irritated all the customers and the employees and just an overall, like, irritating drunk dude that you don't want in your bar. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess he couldn't call the cops on him or didn't want to call the cops. I don't know if, I don't know if Marino had, a, like, a, a stand-up business going on. He probably didn't want the cops snooping in his shit. 
So, but beginning in January of that year, so irritated with Michael, him, Marino, and uh, five of other acquaintances of Michael and Marino, they hatch a plan. And so the five people are Tony Marino, Joseph Red Murphy, Francis Pasqua, Hershey Green, and Daniel Kreisberg. And they made a plot to kill Michael Malloy. They were going to try to get him to drink himself to death um, so they could collect life insurance on him. So they were able to get a corrupt insurance agent to help them take out multiple life insurance policies under Malloy. Um, they did it under the name of Nicholas Malloy, pretending that they were like his brother. Mm. Um, and if he died, they were going to gain $3,500, which in 2019 money uh, is equivalent to $69,000, which... So was that each? Uh, no. In, in total, total? That's still not, not enough for me, <laughs> not to be enough. honest. No, not enough at all. It's not even... Like, what is that? No. How many people they got to cut it? Five. Ten thousand dollars a piece. I know. I don't know if they were gonna. I don't know if they were gonna like cut it evenly because I feel like Marino and Pasqua were really the ones that were like the main guys. But I don't know. So and but they would only get this money, you know, if he died an incidental death. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't get that life insurance by you know dying any other. You know, you can't kill yourself and get life insurance. I do know that. There's a terrible, terrible play about it that I had to read in high school where this dad ran his car into a tree because his family had no money and then they still had no money and they also had a dead dad and that's how it ended so just so you know people just you know anyways so that's too much yeah it is too much I don't know my mom used to be in insurance so I had to ask her um, so apparently Pasqua was the one who initially mentioned on um, the idea to Marino and he was like, hey, why don't you take out a life insurance policy on Malloy? And Pasqua was like, you know, if you do, then I'll just take care of the rest for you. Ain't no thing. Um, and Marino thought about it. And he was like, you know what? It sounds like a good idea. Because he knew that he could pull something off like this because he had done something similar to this before. Just the year before this was taking place, he had befriended a homeless woman named Maybelle Carson and convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy, naming him as the beneficiary, which I'm like, you know what? That one may not be too bad. I mean, mm -hmm. that's bad, but that's at least a little bit more money just for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so one very cold night, he gave her a lot of alcohol, got her really drunk, and she passed out. And so I guess he got her to her house. He stripped off her clothes and doused her sheets and mattress with ice water and pushed her bed under an open window. I guess, and it was like cold outside. And she died from like probably like hypothermia yeah. or something. And Marina was able to collect the money with no problem because the medical examiner, mm, medical examiner noted the cause of death as bronchial pneumonia. So she incidentally died and Marino was able to get all the money so thinking back on this Marino was like you know what I've done it before Malloy would be a really easy target he don't mm -hmm. really have no family and they also said that even though he wasn't that old he was like really feeble because he like drank alcohol mm -hmm. all the time and like didn't have a place to live so they're like you know what this is, this is a great idea this is perfect so Marino was the one that owned the speakeasy and he gave Michael Malloy unlimited credit to drink at the bar and so he was like, you know what? Since he's an alcoholic, it'll be real easy. He'll literally just drink himself until he dies. 
Um, so they were being real nice to Michael Malloy, basically buttering him up, you know. They even gave him a place to sleep in the back of the bar, which I'm like, I mean, if you really wanted him to die, he probably could just, like, walked out on the street and... Yeah. I don't know. It's New York City. Who knows what he could get into. You could have just got him drunk and then had him walk out there. But my thing is, I'm like, okay, you give him all this unlimited alcohol. Yeah. I would think someone who drinks as much as he does, he's going to probably drink a significant amount of I money. I know. It's going like, to take it out of your $60,000. I know. And also, I'm like, he hadn't been paying for this whole time. So uh, what makes you think that like this is going to be any different? But, you know, he kept he kept drinking. He drank all day. He drank all night. He wasn't phased. He was fine, which I'm not shocked by. So, Marino was like, we need to take it up a notch. So, this, they started to replace Malloy's liquor with antifreeze. Um, so, Malloy drank the antifreeze. No problems. He was like, this is delicious. Um, <laughs> so, they were like, shit. Okay, well, maybe we should try something else. So, at this point, they replaced the antifreeze with turpentine. No luck. Then, they replaced it with horse liminate. I don't know what that is. I guess it's bad for you. Still no luck. Finally. This man cannot be killed. Yeah. Finally, they were like, you know what? We'll put rat poison. That'll do it. No. Still didn't work. <laughs> um, none of this was killing him as they had hoped. I mean, you would think this man, because he was like drinking it still like as he would drink regular stuff. So he's throwing it back. He's, he's still getting drunk? I mean, I guess so. I mean, I don't know what rat poison do to the system, but you know what? A black widow couldn't have killed him. So, the group then had to really think. Tex is really doing a number out there. He messes us. We've been in here for too long. Uh, so, the group then really had to think about what, what the heck are we going to do next? Because they really wanted this insurance money, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at this point, honestly, maybe I should just give up. God is saying, no, don't do this. This is, this is not the time. So, then they said they were going to give him oysters soaked in wood alcohol. Um, and this idea came from Pasquale, who had apparently saw a man die after eating oysters with whiskey. And I'm like, I don't, that don't really make any sense. Maybe he was just allergic to oysters. Or or maybe the oysters were bad. Yeah, or maybe he just, like, choked. Yeah, those oysters are, like, t- like, like slimy slide. tongues Ugh. coming up. They're slide down your throat. I don't like oysters. If I eat them, I only eat them fried, which is, like, and I don't like them fried, so... So you just don't eat oysters. I just don't eat them. Um, and, but the oysters and whiskey did not kill Michael, if you're wondering. That was probably their worst idea, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next os- option was a sandwich of spoiled sardines mixed with poison and carpet tacks. So they literally put some carpet tacks in the sandwich. And you guessed it, he's still not dead. He even asked them if he could have another one. <laughs> So, this man, he's just like, I'm getting free food, I'm getting free sandwiches. This is the best, I will never die. <laughs> uh, so, at this point, the group was like, okay, you know what, making him eat and drink stuff, that's not going to work. Like, his insides are just, I don't know, they're Iron, Iron Mike, or whatever his name was. Um, and so, they decided that they were going to try to freeze him to death, because, you know, they freeze that uh, other lady to death. Mm-hmm. And so, they are like, yeah, great idea, we'll do that. So, one really cold night, after Malloy had drank so much that he passed out, they carried him to a park dumped him in the snow, and then poured five gallons of water on his bare chest. And was like, this will do it. You know, he'll get hypothermia and die out here. Because, I mean, he's drunk, sleeping in freaking snow. Well, he didn't die. He was fine. Next he day. Up. Yep, he woke up. Next day, returned to the bar, and he was like, hey, can I get a drink, please? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, God. Oh, no. Okay, so next they were like, okay, okay, whatever. That didn't work. It's fine. It's fine. It didn't work. So they were like, we'll run him over with a taxi. 
So they uh, hired like a taxi driver to do the job and he, they just were like hit him with the taxi like at least 45, 50 miles an hour. So they did. This incident did result in Malloy. He ended up in the hospital. He had some broken bones and I guess the group like kind of saw it happen and they, you know, they walked away because they can't be involved. Mm -hmm. And they were like, surely he's dead. They were like, this has killed him. He's in the hospital. He's probably going to die while he's there. They kept checking the newspapers and stuff though. They didn't see an obituary, but they were like, you know what? He's probably just there dying. No. About four or five days later, he walked back into the bar. He did have a little bit of a limp, and he had some bandages and some bruises. You know, he was a little... He wasn't as good as he was when he got to the hospital. He wasn't as good as I once was, (laughs) but he was as good as he ever was. Uh, So he went back to the bar, and he was like, Hey, y'all, I'm alive. Aren't y'all so happy? I'm back here for a drink. (laughs) So, I'm sick of eating that hospital food. I need some more of them sardine sandwiches. (laughs) So, finally... February 23rd, 1933. Malloy passed out from drinking for the night. This, you know, obviously. The men took Malloy up to Murphy's room, which I guess is like he lived. I don't know if he just like rented a room out somewhere, but they mm-hmm. took him there and they put a hose in his mouth that was connected to a gas jet and turned it on and they like covered his head in like a towel. So I guess it like, wouldn't fall out. Yeah. Um, and that did kill him. Mm. He's dead. He was dead within an hour. Malloy was pronounced dead, and the cause of death was lobar pneumonia. Now, I looked it up. It wasn't anything special. It was just some type of pneumonia. Mm. And then he was quickly buried. They were like, get him in the ground. You know, whatever. Because they didn't really want anybody snooping around because I feel like... Because the medical examiner, I think that they kind of paid off a little bit. Mm -hmm. They were just like, hey, will you just do us a solid and just say this is what it is. He was our friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the time that he actually died, it was thought that the men had attempted to kill him about 20 times. So, you know, they really tried. Yeah, I'll give them that. They really fucking tried. They really put in the effort. They really wanted that, like... Small amount of money. I mean, anything to pay the bills. I mean, they probably easily spent a lot of money. Also, I don't understand why they got five of them to go in on it. I'm like, why did you need all five of y'all? Like, why not just one of y'all? Like, Pasqua or Marino could have done this by themselves without adding in the other the other dudes. Mm, I don't know. I guess maybe if they were all regulars at the bar, they were like, we all got to have Hanging allies or something. So. Um, but, you know, they'd buried him. But the police had heard rumors about, quote, Mike the Durable, like, all over town. Like, everybody was, like, hearing about this, I guess. Because maybe, you know, one of the five probably couldn't keep their mouths shut. Mm-hmm. Probably like, oh, we've been trying to kill this guy for weeks. He still ain't dead. That's crazy. Um, and so, when the police learned that he had actually died, they were like, we need to exhume the body and examine him. Mm-hmm. And after the examination, they realized that Mike had not been, you know accidentally killed by pneumonia that basically he had been killed on purpose Mm -hmm. um and so the five men who plotted to kill malloy i guess it was pretty easy to find them because i think people knew because that was probably the only people that he also like hung out with Mm -hmm. and so they were put on trial and ended up getting convicted green was sent to prison and the other four were sentenced to death and executed in the electric chair all in all in 1934 so literally the next year they wasted zero time. No. They were like, you know what? You killed this man. Listen, nowadays, you go to court, you ain't gonna see 
your court date for no. two years. Also, I'm like, I wonder how, well, I guess they got sentenced to death, but like, I say they didn't get sentenced to death. Like, were they convicted of attempting to murder him for every single time they tried to murder him? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, did they get like 20 counts of attempted murder? I know, it's fucking crazy. And they had to, I wonder if they had to like recount it all at trial or at that point if they were like, you know what, you killed him, it ain't worth it. They probably pled guilty, actually. Yeah, they probably sang like a canary, if I'm being honest. True. Which I'm like, y'all are so dumb. Y'all weren't even going to get that much money. Yeah, it's not worth it for that little bit of amount. No. Um, also, I'm like, y'all could have just waited a little while. If he if he eventually died, like, you were still going to get the money. Mm-hmm. But, were you really stra- uh, strapped for cash? I guess they were. Even though, yeah, I'm like, y'all were just giving away alcohol. Y'all probably gave away $3,000 in alcohol just feeding it to him. I know, and y'all had to buy oysters. Oysters aren't cheap. I know. Sardines. Bread. Carpet tax. <laughs> ta- <laughs> Rat poison. Pay off a taxi driver. Uh, yeah. And so, Malloy's death made history and was featured in something called the Poisoner's Handbook. And it was one of the first cases that had been investigated by, at that time, it was the newly established New York City Medical Examiner's Office. Mm. So, I guess it was like the first one hanging out there. And they were like, this is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't die of pneumonia. Anyways, that was the short and sweet story. Not so sweet. It ended a little bad. Of Michael Malloy, that man who just did not want to die. didn't want to die. Uh, he's like a cat, but with f- way more lives. 20, 30, 40. Which, honestly, I don't understand how he survived it all either. Like, picking rat poison. All I can think of is if maybe if he just drank mass quantities on a regular basis maybe his body was just like yeah give me what give me whatever give me whatever you know what also like back also if he's drunk you know and they try to put him in the snow like you know you get pretty hot when you drink true even though mythbuster says that that's not true your body makes you think you're hot but i mean really because i'll be sweating my ass off when that's I drink what they, wine. that's what they say but i don't know i don't know if i believe it because you know how St. Bernard's, when they used to go save people, like in like old-timey stories, the St. Bernard mm-hmm. would carry up a that little basket on their... Ooh. Yeah, the little like um, barrel underneath Yeah, the it had liquor in it. Because it was supposed to make you warm up. But you know what? Mythbusters, they just be ruining everything. They do. They can't even make nothing fun. Anyways, that was, the, that was the little ditty. The little ditty. Of Michael Malloy. And what's our theme for next week? Uh, our theme for next week is... Friendly, friendly ghost. She, I thought she wasn't going to get it. I about didn't. Friendly we, ghost. So not mean ghosts. Not ones that kill you. No. Hopefully no, not. No demonic ones. <laughs> no, not at all. Just little nice ones that hang out. You know, maybe put up your dishes for you or something. I'm probably just going to retell the story of Casper. Damn it. That which was is, what I was going to do. Well, I'll do the regular Casper and you can do Casper Meets Wendy. Okay, I'll do it. I used to love watching Casper. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I used to love Casper Meets Wendy because it had... Hilary Duff in it, and I love her. I can't remember which one I watched, but I really liked it. They went to, like, a party, like a gala. That is the first one. Okay, yeah. Then that one. I like that one. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, uh, stay tuned. Yeah. Rate, review, and subscribe. On Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Gonna Sound Weird Pond. Gonna follow us on Twitter at just Gonna Sound Weird. And join our Facebook group. It's really fun in there. I enjoy posting a bunch of memes. Sometimes I just make a post. Sometimes I just, you know what, whatever. We're just in there hanging out. And send us your weird stories at this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, if we read your story online, 
don't know. You could get a koozie. You could get a sticker. Maybe both. I don't know. It depends on how good the story is. Yeah, we ain't decided yet. We'll we'll get there. Well, there's gonna be other giveaways for the koozies. Yes. So if you if you didn't win the one from last week, don't fret. Don't fret. Don't cry. Please stop crying. Please just oh god. Please stop crying at your family's Thanksgiving dinner. Please stop. Anyways, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.